Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Tree Service Marketing Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Wesley Smith with TreeServiceDigital.com. Welcome aboard. Glad you're joining us today. So we're, this is aligned with one of our expert interviews. Uh, and Mark Mann with Tree Man Solutions out of Texas is joining us today and, and gracious enough to share his story about his business, how he started, where he got, and what he's doing today. Mark, welcome aboard, man. Well, thank you for having me this afternoon. I oh, appreciate it, man. Thanks for sharing. It helps a lot of other people just kind of piece together maybe what they're doing in their business, how to get better and how to improve. And just listening to it from other business owners just really helps if you're in the niche. So tell us a little bit about what you, you know, how you got started and, and did you get started kind of in the traditional tree service space or in, in kind of what you're doing now and how all that kind of got, got going? That's a great question. So I, I typically tell people I got started around maybe six or seven pushing a lawnmower with my dad. Um, Love being outside and making the landscape work and uh, always been entrepreneurially minded. Uh, I think I started cutting lawns around 11 or 12 and pushing around the neighborhood and still my older brother's truck to be able to go mow lawns in adjacent neighborhoods. And uh, I've always been doing something and was involved with a lot of landscape work. Uh, figured I needed a college degree and went to uh, focus on landscape architecture. I learned pretty quick after a couple of years, I'd rather be outside than inside behind a desk. So finished with a horticulture degree in landscape construction, um, which ended up getting me uh, into this side of the industry. I uh, was planting flowers one day at a landscape job in the summer, bending over, breaking my back and said, man, wouldn't it be nice to work with the trees instead of planting these things four times a year? Like, I bet you get paid more to do that. That seems like more fun. So uh, I took an internship with Bartlett between my uh, junior and senior year of college. And this was in San Marcos, Texas, it's hot, it's humid, it's hilly. And I realized, hey, if I can enjoy this job after dragging brush to the wood chipper, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, five and a half days a week, then there might be something there. So that's kind of how I fell in love with the tree care side of the industry that I got a horticulture degree. And uh, I started my career with the Davy Tree Expert Company. Bartlett didn't have a Colorado office at the time. And I said, man, I want to get out of Texas if I'm going to do field work for a while before I have the uh, opportunity to do sales and management. Let's go to Colorado. So uh, I started up there in the summer of 2012 and I was a plant healthcare technician in Davies Boulder, Colorado office and dealt with a lot of uh, mountain pine beetle in the front range of Colorado. So I would drive from the Denver Metro in, uh, in a truck out to Boulder and just spray the heck out of Astro and permethrin and uh, bomb pine beetles on people's nice properties in the mountains. So uh, I, I got into that, did some uh, more tree work and a little bit of production and trimming side. Uh, I've only climbed like half a dozen times in my life. I'm not the uh, traditional trapeze style arborist uh, like a lot of folks, but came more from the PHC, got the basics of groundwork and some climbing and production. And then uh, had an opportunity to fast track into Sales at Davy after six months in the field and started selling tree work in San Antonio. Um, I did that for a few years, primarily residential tree work in San Antonio, and had an opportunity to open their second office in the San Antonio market. They've been there since uh, the 80s. And so at uh, 25, going on 26, I was opening a satellite office for them on the other side of the city and had some success with that. I really enjoyed that type of work and really focused in on the commercial stuff. Um, that was, I liked working with homeowners, but uh, that just wasn't quite doing it for me. I thought, hey, larger scale repeat contracts. Hey, do I need to go give 30 estimates for $20,000 worth of work? Or can I go give 
five estimates to win three to pick up 40k work you know it was mm -hmm. trying to think what opportunities are out there in texas you know things are tapering off a hair now but over the past decade the real estate market's been pretty hot pretty much all across the state so i saw a lot of opportunity trees and development how do we do that there are a lot of tree rules for preservation and mitigation or replacement and started looking at that in San Antonio. I ran that for a year and a fellow that was running Davies Austin office retired. Uh, and they moved me up the highway about 90 miles and said, well, you're 26, you're young. But uh, I was the second salesperson in Davie in their residential and commercial services at 26 across the nation. And the guy that retired was number one. And they said, somebody's got to come fill that sales vacuum. So move on up the highway and go from seven employees to about 20. Um, so we figured it out. It was a whole lot heavier commercial balance in that market. We were running five to six crews, depending on the time of the year. Um, and over that time at Davy, uh, had great foundation with Davy. I spent about seven and a half years with them. I was there 2017 through 19 in the Austin market. And they had a couple of years prior to that split the city in two and opened a new office. And we were trying to regrow the parent office. And had a lot of success with it and kept on focusing in more and more to the consulting side. And uh, with how crazy tree rules are in the Austin market, we uh, it was wild of how much developers would have to pay to cut down a tree or what presumptions people made on design on new real estate development based off a tree survey where it's not an arborist running through the woods. It's a surveyor and sometimes not even a licensed one. It's just a, you know, tech in the field that, doesn't know an oak from an elm or especially different types of oaks and elms. And did they try to survey it in the winter versus the summer? And did they know the, you know, minutia between one city's code versus the adjacent city's code? And there was a ton to it. And I said, Hey, there's something here. So over the course of a few years being in the Austin market, we went from about no consulting revenue to a few hundred plus thousand and knew, Hey, there's something there about the time I left. I think we did about, Four million dollars in revenue in 2019. That's with um, Davy. With Davy, yeah. yep. And mm -hmm. I just, man, like I said, I'm not a climbing arborist. I'm not much of a mechanic. Trucks and wood chippers and chainsaws and safety briefings. That wasn't quite my forte. I could do it. I delegated a lot of it, but mm -hmm. I got really jazzed up about the consulting. And you know, I started as a landscape architect for a couple of years in college, helping with design, helping people do a better job with not just tearing up the woods. We still hey, facilitate the removal of a lot of trees, right? But if they're going to do that without you, how do you incentivize people to do a better job and get better data? And it, it just jazzed me up. So I left Davy at the end of 2019, had a pretty amicable split with that to kind of work that out and still uh, kind of subcontracted for him some in the transition out of a non-compete that way. Um, and so I started Tree Man Solutions in early 2020, a couple months right before COVID really hit strong. And we're like, oh, hey, great time to start a business, right? But uh, yeah, it, it, fortunately, it wasn't too bad. I thought I might spend three or four years on my own measuring trees in the woods and consulting. And it got busy quick. Um, I, I had some good client loyalty of, in, in the market. We started doing a lot of consulting. Um, and it was good. The Austin didn't slow down too much. Sure, there were restrictions with COVID, but the real estate scene ramped up even more. And there was a greater and greater need um, through organic referrals and word of mouth. We we started growing quite quite a large consulting scale. Um, 
And so I hired one person at the end of 2020. My first year, I, I started using a couple subcontractors and realized, shoot, I need a lot more of that. And I'm paying them a pretty, pretty penny and they were worth mm-hmm. it. But I realized I'm at the mercy of their schedule. Maybe I need to hire my first employee. Like, hey, we got enough volume here. We need to do it. So I hired one and fall at 2020. And then uh, I just talked to a mentor, uh, one of my brother's friends who built a very big, successful oil field services business. And uh, he helped kind of coach me along some of my first year. And we're talking about 60 plus million dollars a year in revenue. He built a big business in like four or five years. I said, hey, let's let's talk to that guy. Let's yeah. uh, see what he has to say. And he had said it really took off when he focused less on the day to day and hired people, even if it hurt because they cost him a lot of money because they were good. When good people come along and make the investment, because that's when you unlock the opportunity. So I had a guy that had just had his first kid. He had previously been the assistant city arborist in San Antonio. He had an MBA. He had his project management professional uh, designation and was a certified arborist, uh, just a unicorn on the resume. And I said, Mm -hmm. okay, I wasn't quite ready to hire number two yet. I just hired number one, but you're out in the market. Let's make this happen. Um, And yeah, to offer offer somebody just barely a year into business, uh, almost six figure salary, to get it going, it, it was a little, little nerve wracking. A little bit of a stretch, okay, but hey, let's make this investment. I'd yes. spent, yeah, I'd spent about five years in San Antonio before, so I knew the market and knew he could get it going there, and he had good connections. So we were just a team of three of us to start twenty one, and added a few people through the year. One of my old sales guys at Davy had left because well, Davy's demanding. There's a lot of there's a lot of value in that organization, and I have good memories there, but. Depending on the market, they drive hard. I work, you know, 55 to 60 hours a week. And that was hard with three little kids at my house. And I was very intentional with my business that our, our governor, our break on growth was going to be quality of life. Like I'll grow, you know, but I'm not looking to grow and work myself into the dirt. Like I yeah. left to focus on what I love and focus more time on family. So we uh, I hired one of my old sales guys who had left Davey because he didn't like that schedule and he'd been at a landscape company and then was looking, he, he didn't take the first offer in fall of 20. So spring of 21, he said, man, I'm on board. So we, we had a good team around us of people we knew. My very first hire was one of my old interns at Davy. you know, five years later, he was not a freshman in college, but you know, a, a functioning adult. And uh, Here you go. he started coming on in. So we were able to leverage a network and relationships to find, quality people and uh, started building a reputation for really delivering results for people. So, uh, you know, and through that, I went almost two years before uh, fall of 21, I hired an office manager. I was, you know, invoicing out of QuickBooks at night and had like a 12 page Microsoft Word task sheet of like color coding. Okay. Did I send a proposal? Have I invoiced them? You know, it it was a mess. Um, And so I hired a full-time office manager and I think we ended 21 with six people on staff um, and then started several people early in 22. The demand was there and we uh, high point last year in year three was we got up to 14 people. We opened a Dallas operation. Uh, so we're in three markets across the state and then over kind of the holidays, we contracted back to 12, which should be a pretty sufficient outset uh, or number and Good startup point for us for most of this year. We'll see. We may add a few people back in, depending on demand. But uh, 
so it's been good. Uh, we really stumbled through some of it. We've tried to ask smart questions from people in the industry. I had a couple ex Davy colleagues that had left to do their own thing and they were pretty instrumental in uh, navigating that process and had some good, uh, had some good advice. Uh, but frankly, with what we do, we're, we're a bit disruptive. There's a lot of tree care companies that do some consulting. There are a fair amount of arborists that are kind of a one or two man consulting shop. There are not many just arborist consulting companies outside of, you know, the big Davy and Bartlett's or save trees that have a whole consulting mm -hmm. divisions. And we don't do hardly anything with municipal work. And, you, you know, you have planet geo up in Colorado. So there's some good groups out there, but no one really focused on consulting for real estate development. Um, so, yeah, let me, let me unpack that just for a second, just sure. to be clear for the audience watching. And Hey guys, if you're watching this and you're getting value out of what Mark's sharing, and it's been incredible sharing so far, like, and subscribe to our channel. If you're watching on YouTube or the podcast, Leave a comment. How'd you get started in your business? Mark just kind of shared how he did it. Now, as far as Arborist Consulting, that's basically you're working with developers and just getting permitting things done and doing all the stuff around what they need to do to develop a certain property or a project. Is that kind of how that works or what, what all Correct. Do you know with that? Good, good question. So we, we have kind of three main focuses, planning, permitting, preservation, keep the three P's there to keep it, keep mm -hmm. it simple for us Arborist, right? But, um, we had historically, in Davy, I did a lot of preservation on construction site. We got the leads for permitting, trying to help people through issues with getting development permits with different municipalities. And over the course of doing that, I realized we really need to be involved in planning. Like we're fixing other people's mistakes and it's costly right. from time and dollars later on. How do we incentivize them to use us earlier? How what do you need to do to provide tree surveys? How, what kind of GPS equipment do you need? How precise do you need to be? How do we incentivize developers and engineers to utilize us when they're starting a project versus when they've got a design and we're trying to help them get it approved and find out, oh, that's not a 40 inch, you know, highly designated or protected tree. That's a, you know, I, I, one I always remember it, they thought it was a walnut tree and it was an ailanthus, a tree of heaven, very invasive. And just some surveyor went into a thicket and said, oh, that looks like a big tree. Hmm, I think it's a walnut. And, you know, they designed a whole building around it. And it was very costly to figure out way later, oh, you can bulldoze that for no fee. It's not a desirable tree. And, you know, so we've worked our way through that. So we, a, a large portion of what we do are tree surveys. Uh, we help or we double check other folks tree surveys. We check a survey company's tree survey to make sure they identified it right, that they measured it properly. And then we assess the health of the tree and that makes a difference for recommendations, whether it should be preserved or not. And fees, if you remove a tree and have to replace new trees back, well, if you remove a dead tree, should he place new trees back? No, or a tree that's dying. So that was the premise that not every tree in the woods is healthy. So um, that's really where we focused. And we've, you know, since the Davy time and the transition out on that non-compete, uh, over the last couple of years, separately from our consulting, we probably, I don't know, yeah, pretty much every one of the last few years, we've sold and managed over a million plus dollars worth of tree care revenue, where we, you know, acted as a kind of contract estimator and salesperson and would charge them a consulting fee. They would bill our clients for the tree care revenue, but we would bring the lead, estimate the work, manage their crews, and then they would invoice the client. And so they got they didn't have to staff extra salespeople. They got extra jobs at 
a wholesale rate they were happy with and we serviced our clients um, and didn't have to own the trucks and wood chippers or have those people on staff. We probably on average run, you know, anywhere from four to seven subcontractor uh, folks um, a day, you know, doing tree work on construction sites or at homes for our commercial clients and try to offer that turnkey service without having the capital into that equipment or having, you know, like people have seen in slow season, not always having to have those guys staring at you like, Hey, you got hours, you got hours. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So that, that side can be stressful. It can certainly be rewarding, but we try to utilize those different um, avenues to attempt to work smarter and not harder. Um, yeah. and, and that's really where we found a lot of success. So. Awesome, man. That's really good. So there, it just goes to show you that there's a lot of avenues to take in the tree care, tree service space, right? Like this is sure. a consulting one. So you're kind of working hand in hand with developers. They come to you before they have an issue. They want to figure out kind of what the tree, when you say tree survey, it's probably like tree inventory, like take an inventory of the property that's going to be developed and what trees need to be saved or preserved or what trees need to come down and right. all that stuff. There's a lot of moving parts to that. So there's probably learning software, learning how to do these types of things with the, the upfront, you know, tree inventory, tree surveys. And then from there, you're, you're, you're kind of going over what you need to do, the plan of attack for the property, and then preserving things and things like that. So, you know, if you're listening, there's lots of different things you could do besides just the traditional tree service. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. It's just a matter of, hey, this is kind of a niche of a niche right here. And I'm sure it works really good and probably ramps up really fast in highly growing areas of the country, right? Like if there's a lot of development. Mm -hmm. Right. And I tell people, you know, there are not many markets where I could have a full-time arborist consulting company that only focuses on real estate development. And yes, we'll do a few things here and there for clients or requests, but for the most part, we're only focused on new construct, new design, new permits, new construction of new, you know, whether it's a subdivision or an industrial warehouse or a multifamily development, we don't anywhere where they are planning new development near trees in a market or submarket that has tree regulations. Do you need a tree survey? What size? Do you do all species? What does it cost to remove a tree? What does that methodology look like to get a permit? Um, we try to isolate those areas in Texas that have those rules and make sure that we are positioned to provide solutions to people because it can be confusing. We we forget in our arborist world sometimes that a lot of people say, I think that might be an oak or an elm. That one loses its leaves. Oh, it's a pine or but could it be a spruce or a fir or, you know, they're all, people are generally not that smart about trees. So um, we think people know some of what we know when they really don't. So if you you're right there, into, you're correct. Yeah. If you can go into an area that has regulations, that has development, that has needs, there's very little competition sometimes is what we found um, because engineers and surveyors, even landscape architects, they know more about plants than most design professionals, but you're still not certified arborist um, and they don't like to go out into the woods and verify that stuff near like we do, you know, swinging yeah. a machete through poison ivy and briar in the middle of Texas heat in the summer is not the most fun, but it's not really any worse than being brushed through a wood chipper. Right. Or mm -hmm. even if you're not the ground guy, even if you're climbing a big tree and bombing out a tree in the middle of the summer and choking on sawdust and the sun's beating down and you've cut all the shade, like, still hot, hard work. There's just different ways to do it. So um, there's value and room to charge well and make good money and, and grow with that kind of work. And it's something that a lot of 
arborist companies don't know, but that, that's the idea. It's good for exposure mm -hmm. of whether you want to go whole hog and do a bunch of consulting, or maybe you just want to start, you know, putting your, you know, feet in the water. Maybe you get tree risk assessment qualified. Maybe you market some additional uh, tree risk assessments. Maybe that's looking at some tree valuation and getting in touch with appraisal uh, offices or attorneys or realtors, you know, do people want a health check even before service if they're trying to buy a house? Um, are there serious diseases in your market that people need to know about before they do a real estate transaction? Um, there are a lot of little lines of service you can pretty cost effectively for very little equipment or capital investment start offering. Just like when people go from traditional tree service to, oh, I add in a little PHC, then add in a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's recurring. And those uh, margins yeah. are pretty good. And yes, it's a bit more technical, but oh, you don't have to pay that multiple thousand dollar note on that piece of equipment. All the, you know, there are things you can do to make pretty good revenue with good margins that don't have a huge barrier for entry other than some research. And, you know, it's more brain power than uh, capital power or equipment power. So right. it, it just takes a little figuring. Yeah. And it's your same customer base too. A lot of people probably are being asked about certain things. Hey, do you offer this? Do you offer that? And eventually you're tired of losing those opportunities when you know that that's right. your customer and you can take care of them. So a lot of things that you said there, man, great mm -hmm. stuff. So I think uh, if anybody's watching and they're aspiring to start their own company, whether it be in the tree service space or anywhere, whoever's watching, that's one of the one of the gems Mark Mike shared there is like you can work for some of these really professional companies that are you know national corporations that probably have you know top notch training services and everything else like Davey or Bartlett and things like that. And when you're working for those companies, you're going to see firsthand how the business is running, how it's operating, how they move into a market and grow it rapidly, things like that. And so those top notch training services and and, and programs they have will benefit you for the long term. So if you're in one of those companies and you're aspiring to have your own tree service business, it's never too late to start your company. You're you're actually learning every day things that you wouldn't learn on your own. So these companies sometimes have a value add just being a part of them and seeing how a well-oiled machine tree service company works in the first place. And then you can go, you know, um, apply that to your own business later when you start one. So um, we have firsthand experience too with some of our clients in the Austin market. And we've had several um, they come to us and they're well, we service all of Austin and around the area. But what we want to do is we only want to target all the suburbs of Austin, not any parts of the city of Austin, because we don't want to deal with the permits and all the other stuff that we got to deal with over there. So I, when you said Austin, I was like, yeah, we've had a few clients there that basically want to avoid the city and just get all of the calls on the on the you know perimeter of the city outside of the actual city. Um, it's gotten pretty difficult, I guess, with all that. And it, it can be a pain. There's a lot of red tape with it. Uh and one thing I'd highlight too is, yeah, it's great to work for a big group. There's also some great local groups and great regional groups, and especially people that go through the TCIA um, accreditation, you know, just because they're got, you know, one shop and two trucks, four trucks, whatever, doesn't mean they're any less professional than a Davy or a Bartlett or a Save a Tree or whoever, you know, I mean, that's, that's a serious program to go through. We've got a great partner uh, colleague that we work with in the San Antonio market. It's a TCIA accredited company, uh, Burkett Arbiter. And, you know, they're great. They run just as professionally as I ever experienced in, you know, my Davy days. So it doesn't mean you got to be at one of the big shops, but, but regardless of where you're at and what your aspirations are, asking questions, uh, demonstrating you have interest and want to learn more than just their standard training booklet or just go there for a wage. Um, that would help me accelerate my career of, hey, 
what is this leaf disease? What is this tree? Uh, how would you have done that differently? Hey, how's this? How are these production rates looking? Uh, here's what I'm doing. Are you seeing something not right in the middle of my kind of sell strategy or seeing trends or patterns that you think I could focus on that I'm not seeing because I'm too close to it? You know, asking people ahead of you, around you, um, your cohort and say, is there a better way to do it? And then don't burn bridges. Like if you are going to work for one of those big places, great. And some of them you got to be aware of non-competes and how that works and what law says in your state. But, you know, um, being proactive. And if you do want to leave at some point in two or three years and start your own business, sometimes people are okay with that. Like tell them, hey, this is my dream and aspiration. I'd love to create value for you here, but I want to be frank and let you know, here's what I'd like to do at some point. Can we work something out here, you know, help you now? And then and potentially sometimes those people sub sometimes when those companies get busy mm -hmm. and have a hard time hiring, you know, then there are smart ways to do it. One of my main subcontractors in the market was one of my best foremen at Davy and left about the same time I did. And he makes almost three times as much as he did in his 25 plus dollar an hour wage in overtime just three or four years ago. Um, so we've been able to grow together. Um, so you, you lean on your relationships, you cultivate a network. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, super energetic, outgoing, but just be nice, be respectful, have some manners, uh, put yourself out there and good things come from that. People want to work with people they like. So be yeah. likable and put yourself out there. You know, it's, it's pretty important. It's, that's one of those soft skills that it's hard to teach everybody. And sometimes people can be great at producing a job, but may not have that skill set to do more off of that because those soft skills are pretty darn important as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've got a lot of a lot of tree companies we talk to, and they're kind of branching out into the PHC tree healthcare, tree consulting things, and and they just see the value in that because again, kind of go back to what we were talking about before. You're going to get asked those questions: Do you provide this service? Can you help me with this particular tree? Because not everybody wants to just trim and and remove right. and stuff like that. So there's so many different ways you can go in this in this industry, which is really a, a very good, promising thing for the future as well because it's. The whole planet's kind of going green. People are looking at saving trees and making sure the health of trees is is prominent and everything else. And and you think about all the development and the growth and the population growth that we've had in the United States. I mean, development typically tears down trees. So we're, we're going to have to kind of have more of a conscious effort not to do all of that. But like these developers can't just come in and bulldoze, you know, 25 acres and build, build some properties there. They're going to have to go through a service like what Mark provides here with Treeman Solutions or you know, just kind of go through the consulting of what they can and can't do on the property. Because I imagine that can be super costly, right? If they go in there and do the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, it can. And I mean, some of our clients on a lot of these developments have, you know, fees in the range of, you know, several hundred thousands of dollars for removal of tree. Not that they, they didn't do anything wrong. That's just the fee to remove it if they can't replace all the required inches. And some big shopping centers that we've had, projects where they had two, three, four million dollar tree mitigation fees just because they were coming onto big acreage and they might remove 3,500 of 4,000 trees that are on the survey, but real estate development needs space. So we, we tell people we're tree lovers, not tree huggers. You know, I mean, yeah. it's going to happen without us, but how can you take people that aren't as green conscious and provide a product in a way that they see the value in? We tell people we save time, money and trees we put trees last because a lot of our clients don't care but if you save them time and money and help them make a better development 
and they'll listen to you about tree care and listen to your good ideas. If you say, hey, let's care for them at the front end of construction when accessibility is good. Why bulldoze trees and tub grind trees to haul mulch off site to truck mulch in later when it's landscape time? Why don't we stage that good single grind? Let's reduce the labor uh, required. Why do, why do we feed all the uh, debris from trimming and early removals through a wood chipper when we could just toss it out to a tub grinder person, you know, let somebody come grab that with a bulldozer and take it to a tub grinder. Heck, you know, on a three-man crew, that could be, you know, 15 to 30% of your day rate cost is just somebody feeding brush through a chipper. How can you give them more bang for their buck, still make your margins, but offer a product that thinks about those cost and time constraints and logistics and sequencing with real estate development. So that's really where we've tried to stand out, that there's a lot of good competition with commercial tree care, residential tree care. We try to offer something a little different in the market and uh, we've been pretty, pretty successful. Sounds like you do, man. To, You're pleasing your own trail. Looking market. forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and going down and kind of going down that path a little further, um, this is something where, you know, we've got clients, they set up new shops in different areas. They're in this city, but hey, we're just, we set up a crew in another city and we're, we're going full blast over here now. And so that's something the traditional tree service space has done quite a bit. And we've, we've been a part of that a lot with some of our clients. And so this seems like a niche of a niche. So it seems like you can kind of get in and, and probably go into another market, especially if you know one's highly growth market, right? Growing, there's a lot of development going on and a need for this consulting you could probably go plant yourself somehow with a, an arm of your business and, and launch another market. Um, is that something that kind of you see, uh, you know, coming down the pike with uh, Treeman Solutions? We, we definitely have uh, heavier eyes this year on really getting our Dallas operations up and running. We've got one person up there kind of blazing a trail and I'm in a position now where Austin runs itself more. I've got a great team here and looking to do that. We're also looking at some Houston expansion, potentially, this year and next, and we'll probably consolidate in Texas, but we've also looked at, you know, should we look at licensing some of our custom tree inventory uh, software we've developed? Uh, do we do training for other tree companies in sure. high growth markets like this? Uh, hey, you know, here's a here's some consulting fees. Do you want to do this? Not necessarily trying to pursue that franchise pain in the neck, but is there a, you know, marketable service where it's worth an investment for a local tree company too? have someone like us help them start that separate service line for, you know, a fee and be able to, you know, get them plugged into a market and understand who to reach out to, what networks to leverage, what tech you need, what sort of software you need. Um, but yeah, the margins can be, be pretty good in the consulting side and the, the overhead and capital is much lower than a lot of the traditional tree care side for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think just never stop learning. Always be curious. You know, your curiosity is going to take you a long way if you are curious about other parts of the business instead of just the traditional tree service things. And this is, this is a big part of what's going on out there every day. Like if you're concentrating on just taking down trees and, and trimming and things like that, and maybe you're in plant healthcare too, this could have potentially add a, a large revenue stream to your business, working with developers and planners and people who are doing this because they need consulting. They don't really know what they don't know out there, right? When they get a hundred acre track of land and then they want to develop it out either with a subdivision or commercial property, whatever, they're going to have to have somebody help them hold their hand along the way because they don't want to mess up. They do mess up. It's going to be big money after the fact when they could have just avoided that by paying exactly. some money consulting, you know? 
Exactly. And time's a commodity. Like, hey, that's what people pay y'all for, right? Hey, yeah. I don't know exactly how to do this, but I want more leads and I know trees, but not this kind of marketing. Same same thing, you know, uh, people don't want to get a bunch of different proposals sometimes, at least not on the commercial side. If they have somebody that's demonstrated they've saved them time and money, why do I take my time to go shop for different yeah. tree care bids for this commercial construction site? I know they got my back. Sure. Sounds reasonable. Go with it. Um, and that's how we've kind of leaned into it. And same thing on a homeowner side. If you're doing the trimming and removal, are you doing the stump grinding? Do you offer the planting? You know, or are you picking up the PHC? And does it make sense to offer maybe a, a small tree inventory for your residential customers? Do you have a CRM software that you can do mini inventories and memorialize that with the customer account so you can update those notes and records? Um and provide some value add services that way, or let that be part of the marketing. Maybe you don't charge for it, but you spend a little time and give them something cool. Give them a ribbon or plaque. Hey, this property is managed by us and it's been inventoried. And you know, they're you, you just have to keep on learning. Like you mentioned too, like never stop learning. We we spend a lot of money on training um, and professional education. I, you know, took almost 10 of us to state uh our isa chapter conference last year it's a lot different than when it was just myself going right and mm -hmm. hotels and the conference and the days away from production i've had two people on my team become master arborists since we started the company and now i have three of us i've had i think four or five become certified arborists so i think we've got seven certified arborists and three master arborists and a few people that have just gotten their municipal specialists um so all those things help set you apart from the comp competition. Do they cost money? Do you have to do the CEUs? Yes, but it, it depends on the market. Sometimes it may not be as necessary, but if it's a competitive market with a bunch of other credential people. Well, you have a few extra letters behind your name. Uh, it can go a long way to uh, that brand recognition and that perceived feeling of professionalism, um, whether you've demonstrated it yet or not for them, that, that goes a long way for some of the uh, consumers consciousness agreed yeah we spent a lot of money on training too just learning the best practices of digital marketing right because it's constantly evolving and changing and going sure. this direction that direction so it's the same thing and another thing you said too it's very true it's like when you're growing your business there's a whole other set of skills that you have to learn as far as delegating and to working with people and managing people and things like that and so those are all different skills that you don't have when you're a one-man show or perhaps even just a small one crew show, right? So there's different things that you have to evolve into as you grow, as you bring on team members, and you can only grow if you do that. So be clear sure. on that, like clarify, you have to be hiring and bringing people in to grow your team, to grow your organization. Uh, but that's really the most rewarding side of it, I think. And, you know, the people that we have, our team is everything in our business. So sure, it's the same with you, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. one of my favorite things is when people, you know, tell us multiple times, man, I love this work-life balance or integration, whatever hip term you want, but mm -hmm. that we have some flexibility in the schedules and that, you know, we can make good money and pay people well and work 40-ish hours a week instead of always be pressing 10-hour days and overtime and Saturdays. Like, that's good for some people if they want it, but that wasn't for me. Um, you know, and as you grow, like I said, you got to hire the right people or you, you, you hit that scalability point. You're growing, you're growing, you're growing. Oh, it's hard to get to that next level. Um have to hire the right people and you're not always going to make the killer margins you made maybe in the first well sometimes a couple of years hurt to start and then you really get going then you're almost to a point where there's only so much the owner or the main salesperson can do 
okay, I've got to pay commission. So I'm making less money on each new sale, but it's facilitating more capacity than I had on my own. How do you isolate those opportunities, understand the demand, train people to incentivize them. And then you get to be excited about that rising tide floating all ships. It's, it's mm-hmm. awesome when you realize people on your team, some of them are making, you know, significant amounts more than they did just a few years ago, working other jobs or entry level with you. And they've demonstrated capacity and ambition and uh, it helps for everybody. Uh, I tell other people to surround yourself with uh, good consultants. Um, I don't do my own books. Uh, I've got a contract uh, controller team. I've got a great CPA that does the taxes. I, I use a uh, cycle CPA as a good landscape and green industry um, kind of fractional virtual uh, accounting team. And, you know, they can have a shout out because they're good and they're, they're affordable and reasonable and they know the space. Um, the single ops team has been great for CRM and helped me out. I've spent quite a bit of money to do some separate business coaching. I tell people I got a degree in horticulture, not business or an MBA. Like, I don't know, what do I know in my coursework about running a multi-million dollar business? Need some help, right? So, um, make the investments. And there's plenty of people that'll hound you to spend too much. You'll get just hounded on LinkedIn about this insurance, this, that training, that, this coaching, that, and oh my gosh, but bet those opportunities, uh, isolate them and, you know, a, a reasonable investment a month or for a contract basis for somebody that's not full-time on your payroll can greatly unlock a lot of potential to be more organized, to scale properly, to do it well. Um, Cause I think that's what all of us want to do a job. We like to feel like we're earning well and to have some optionality, to have some freedom to step away from it. If we need to, you know, that that's what I recommend to business owners of Agreed. Yeah. pursue that track for sure. Yeah. And one of the things we always recommend and suggest is if they don't have a CRM at the beginning of the relationship that we start with a client, it's, it's paramount that they get one. And, Sure. I tell you, it's just, it's, it's such a night and day different a year, three years, five years down the road. If you've got a CRM with all of your client information is plugged into the estimates go out through there, the invoices go out through there, the follow-ups go out through their texts and emails. And then you've got a database of all these people. You can email market to your client base. It's essentially building a fence around your customers. All of these things are just super important for the long haul, right? If you're not just in this for the next year or two, if you're in it for 10, 20, 30 years, this database is everything for your business. So I don't see how people really grow intelligently without having all that organization plugged into their business. You know what I mean? Because everybody's on the same sheet of music when you have that. And one thing that's hard too, that a lot of tree services struggle with, especially some of the big ones, is that it's so relationship driven. People love their arborists. Well, what if their arborist leaves? Do you have a brand that they have good loyalty to you or if your arborist leaves to go start their own company? You know, they don't know you or the owner of the brand. They just know Joe Arborist, which if you're Joe Arborist right now and want to start your own thing, great. (laughs) That's kind of helpful for you. But you're an owner with talented salespeople. How do you incentivize them and create a culture that makes them want to stay? And if they do need to move or an opportunity presents itself somewhere else, how do you create that loyalty with your customers that keeps them there, that they love the company and not just the individual that services right. them um, and opening new offices. How do you, how do you have a good CRM where you can see trends and patterns and leverage relationships in one market? You know, we do that a lot. Oh, I work a lot with this engineering firm in Austin. Well, they have offices in San Antonio and Houston and Dallas 
hey, they like our work here. Will they give us warm introductions? Can we get a master contract over the state to be able to leverage that kind of growth and pick up some extra work? Um, hey, you're already in their system, especially if you're chasing commercial work. God, that's some of the hardest thing to run through those contracts. But once you're in, if you tell a new property manager, oh, hey, we take care of y'all in this market. We're already set up to service you. We know your billing system, your process. It, it goes a lot quicker. So, but that can't be in somebody's head in one market and somebody's head in the other market. If you have that all stored in the CRM, you can, you know, have some sort of standard looking into that to see, hey, where are some relationships? Draw like the strings on the map. What, how can we connect these dots and leverage these opportunities? Let's grow quicker, better, more profitably, working smarter, not harder. Still takes hard work, but don't beat your head into the wall when there's opportunities. You just have to have the right data to see in the organization to see it. Yeah, we've talked to a lot of our clients and had these conversations as well. And I, I always ask them about that, like the commercial side, the property management side, different, bigger, larger contracts. The more of those credentials, going back to that, that you get and you get educated on and that you have by mm -hmm. your name and things like that, the more confident these larger organizations are going to have in your services to then go and get these commercial contracts, maybe these government municipality contracts, these you know property management contracts that are in major cities other than your current location, which will enable you to grow because of that one relationship. So branching out and really getting educated on certain credentials, being a certified arborist or tree, you know, certified risk assessment, uh, just all these different things you can get, plant health care, uh, all these different things are going to open up so many more opportunities. And just one relationship that you have, one contact that you have can lead to 10 more that that person knows because they all run in the same circles and they all value the same things. So getting those credentials and then actually getting one of those jobs or one of those contracts could lead to, you know, 10 or 15 more of those large ones that are repeat recurring customers, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's kinda... it's 2023, we're, we're yeah. convenience creatures, right? Uh, if they've got a personal referral, they don't have to go get extra bids. They don't have to strike up the relationship. Hey, you're much more inclined to use that plumber that your neighbor brags about and said, man, they responded quick and did good work. And yeah, it's not inexpensive, but they're good. They're worth it. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, vote for them all day long. Then you don't have to Google and look at five different plumbers and wait for someone to call you back and do that. It, same thing in the tree care world, whether it's mm -hmm. residential, but definitely commercial that, oh, hey, you know the system. You can do that. Like people that do uh, apartment complexes or communities, you'll learn that if you do apartment communities, they like to call them communities and not complexes. That's a thing, you know, are you involved in? a local apartment association or CAI community association Institute. Are you leveraging HOA contracts to do all the street trees or parks or amenity centers? Uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there yeah. and, and it's a big, big industry. Green industry is huge. You know, you don't have to do it all because some people try to do it all and do all marginally, you know, maybe pick one or two things to do really well and stand out. There's a lot of, a lot of business to be had for good people. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's crowded at the bottom, right? There's yeah. a lot of people out there bidding for the lowest price tree service work, but it's not so crowded at the top, right? At the top, you have the credentials, you're marketing your business as a professional company, you're on time, you consult with people, you're friendly, you get to know people. That's going to go a long way because a lot of companies don't do that, right? Some of them right. are low price leader, crowded. There's a lot of people in that space. Move up to the medium, it's a little bit less crowded. You get up to the top and you got all the credentials and you're the most heavily, you know, branded company. People know who you are. You're professional. You can provide solutions instead of just, you know, hey, we need to take down the trees or whatever. That's just going to go a long way. Word of mouth is going to go a long way. 
you know, and those people, they do run in the same circles and they all know each other. So going back to what you said before too, is the grass cutting thing in your neighborhood was kind of one of the first jobs. I think that there's something about entrepreneurs, man, the cutting grass. I swear. I think everybody that's going to be a business owner sometime in the future has cut their neighborhood grass when they were a kid or something. I had the same thing. I cut four or five different yards in my neighborhood for cash and I loved it. It was easy. We already had a lawnmower. Right. So when I push right down the street, go cut their grass for 20 bucks or whatever. So I did a lot of that myself too. Um, I always enjoy talking to other business owners because it can feel like you're out on an island as a business owner, right? But I think there's a lot of people that that have the potential to be their own boss, to be their own business owner, to start their own business. It's just a matter of that that one thing that's got to click in your head. You just you have to go start. You know, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. You got to get started. And yeah. if you're working for one of those larger companies, you've got the training and the know-how. A lot of it's just taking that step, right? Stepping there's out. Risk. Yeah. There's, it's it, a there's security risk, right? of yeah. a big company. You know your career track. Yeah. And a lot of those companies, they, they compensate you very well if you do what you need to do. And you've got good benefits. I remember looking at my wife with three little kids and she's a, a household CEO, stay-at-home mom. Like, okay, well, we don't have benefits elsewhere. we got three little kids. Like, that's really budget hard. We haven't had to as diligently, but hey, we're going to take this step in faith. And it's uh, it, not everybody does as well with it as we've been blessed to do, but it's that mental, mental, uh, just stress relief of, hey, I'm in control of my destiny. You know, yeah. I get to make those decisions. And uh, I remember I was like, I just need to make half of what I made there to at a bare minimum, pay the bills and we'll, we'll struggle through it and do okay. And we made way more than half to have to start. And it's been pretty, uh, pretty awesome since then. We've been very blessed and uh, takes faith, regardless of your personal beliefs, at least on my end, you know, takes faith, takes prayer. Uh, it, it's stressful. It's hard, but it's worth it if you apply it. And we're very thankful for the opportunities we've had and thankful for the opportunity to be on with you and chat a little bit about it. Yeah. Hope it's uh, helpful for folks out in the audience and, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly how you process this, but you know, feel free to share out my info. I am always glad to answer a call or an email to uh, folks in the industry and see where we can help out because I've had a lot of good help on my end too. So glad to pay it forward. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your story and everything. I think you know, having a family, having the kids definitely sometimes lights the fire to go ahead and get done what you've been trying to get done for quite some time too, right? That'll, yeah. get, that'll get you moving, I think. That'll get the... Yeah. Get the, yeah. So, well, this has been awesome, man. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Is there any last minute advice you'd give to somebody who maybe just started their company or maybe is thinking about starting their company? Um, just what to do to kind of stick with it, have that grit and, de and determination that they're going to make it work. Um, what would you, what would you offer them as an advice? It doesn't have to be anything profound, but just what you think would be kind of <laughs> that's a, good a, that's ending a good point. question. Uh, yeah. I think you kind of, kind of hit the nail on the head up. You know, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Uh, you got to step out in faith. Now, don't don't do it without preparation. Like mm -hmm. you, you need to do some research, uh, otherwise it can be painful. Like you're providing for yourself or your family or your future, regardless of your personal circumstances and kids and uh, wives or spouses. But the uh, you got to start and uh, you got to put in the effort. Uh, but if you work hard, you do what you say you will. You provide a valuable service. Good things will come. Uh, they may not come as fast as you want or as easy, but over time, I mean, don't suck, <laughs> right? Don't yeah. suck and uh, you'll stand out, right? Re return yeah. people's calls, be prompt, do what you say you will. If you mess something up, own it, fix it and get on with it. You know, that sometimes seems a 
customer for life more than just, hey, I expected you to do an okay job versus, hey, you did kind of okay job, but you messed something up, but you overwhelmingly responded to make it right, make me happy. You'll get way more referrals from that sometimes than just, oh, yeah, they did what they said they would do. Um, so you, you got to start, work hard and do good things and uh, it'll come. People see that and uh, like to work with those kinds of people. Awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. Mark Mann with Tree Man Solutions. Mark, if you want to um, just let them know what your contact information is or maybe your website or, or whatever, and we'll put sure. it in the show notes also of the podcast interview on YouTube and on the podcast. But if you want to let them know what that is, uh, go ahead and you can you know let them know how to contact you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's treemansolutions.com. Man with two ends and uh, we've got our info on there. Feel free to reach out. Uh, those get filtered to me and let me know you heard on the podcast and glad to set up time to visit for a little bit and see what we can do to pay it forward and help you out. And if you have some more professional uh, interest in, you know, uh, maybe some consulting about starting your own consulting operations or getting a bit more in depth with that, we can certainly have that conversation, but uh, we can deliver some value there for people in certain markets as well. This has been great. Thanks so much, Mark, for your time. I want to be respectful of your time. Thanks so much for everything. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, I think this is going to provide a lot of value. And guys, if you're still watching this, if you're on YouTube, if you're on the podcast, go ahead and like and subscribe to our channel. We've got plenty more of these expert interviews coming up and another marketing webinar that I know you're not going to want to miss. Uh, so we'll see you on the next episode. This is Wesley Smith with Tree Service Digital. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Appreciate it.